welcome to the fun house. In this episode, comedian, actor, and undead amigo Ed Galvez stops by to talk about the YouTube mockumentary Rusty Camel. Also featuring musician Ben Von Wildenhaus, who stops by with a copy of his soon-to-be-released album, Everything in Flower. I probably should have written more. Somebody has to make the masks. Someone failed. Maybe it's a hoax. Maybe it'll pass. I think we should endanger our lives to save the economy. Mask maker, mask maker, make me a mask. Find me the kind with a filter attached. Mask maker, mask maker, save lives with a craft. Please make me a perfect mask. Mask maker, mask maker, I need a veil. So I can buy food and not get slender and pale I need a covering for I long to be The envy of all to see For Papa, make one that's smaller for Mama Make one size king for me, well I think I'd settle for a ripped piece of t-shirt and just a bit of string Mask maker, mask maker, make me a mask I need a disguise or a virus I'll catch Night after night in the dark I'm alone So make me a mask of my own Since when are you interested in a mask, Chava? I thought you were worried about being cool! Now you're literally wearing a jockstrap on your face! Well, why not? I think that's a great idea! We should all be wearing jockstraps on our face! Hey, it is Miles. Welcome back. Thank you for coming back to my podcast um, for episode two. It is getting weird out there, isn't it? It's getting real weird. I've been it's getting. It feels real weird at home. I, I've had a couple days where I was really down, just kind of like laying on the floor with my feet up on the couch. Had a headache for a couple days. It's starting to feel like the universe caught me enjoying a day off and then forced me to chain smoke an entire pack of days off. Uh, Prior to the coronavirus, I used to do these uh, isolation pods where you go lay in this water tank. It's called a float. And Bonnie got them for me for Christmas. And you would go in there, you just chillax and be isolated. And I am pretty sure that they're going to go out of business after this, I definitely won't be going back. I uh, got our, We got our bidet. Very exciting. Very cold. I Bonnie was the first to use it, and I, I was sitting here working on the podcast, and I think I heard her scream, Woo! <laughs> in the back. Um, I don't know if I'm using it right. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to put it, spray it directly into my pee hole. That's a, does that flush it out? I'm not quite sure. It seems to sting a little bit. Things are weird around here lately. I don't know. Kind of zoning out a lot. Bonnie and I have been, have been cooking a lot, but we were kind of prepared for this. We moved to L.A. and we got poor and we learned how to cook. And we've always been good cooks, I guess, but we, we've been better. We cook more often. We've been better about doing stuff. I've learned how to make a New York-style pizza. Um, I'm getting close, I should say. I've made about 12 12 pizzas, and the last batch of dough was probably the best I've done. I'll share my recipe, but there's some tips. Let me think of some pizza-making tips. Uh, Well, I don't really feel like it. That does not sound like fun to me. I've been enjoying listening to Bonnie watch Jeopardy. Alex Trebek may be the most passive-aggressive game show host in the history of television but it's an enjoyable experience to hear bonnie 
because she won't let any of it go. <laughs> Every time he calls out a guest or something, he mumbles something under his breath or says something right before he calls a, on somebody. Very insulting. But he's going to die soon, so we should, probably shouldn't make fun of him. So I'm just going to go over and give my friend Ed Galvez a call and see what he's up to. How's it going, Ed? Great. Thanks for having me on the Funhouse. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I'm glad you could make it. <laughs> um, I saw you got a lot. Of, you've always got so many projects in. I should mention, I've seen Ed do stand-up more than any other person in the face of the planet. <laughs> <laughs> Down at, he's, uh, he runs an open mic at... Um, the Lexington. The Lexington, yeah. And I go there a lot. That was my first open mic was the Lexington. Ed does um, teaches classes over in Echo Park area. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know if you want to talk about it right now, but I saw you're in something coming out on Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, called Rusty Camel, a TV show on YouTube. Yeah, it's uh, sort of like um, if The Office was in a rental house. Like a, place <laughs> like rent a studio out, like, rental house? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I had never really worked with anybody in this before. And everyone's like really fun and funny. And, you know, it's really great to uh, work with new people. Great. Yeah. So did you audition for it? Or how'd you hear about it? Uh, the writer director, uh, who's also one of the main cast members, he reached out to me and someone referred me to him. That seems to be how it goes here in LA. I mean, it's all about connections and people and friendships and just really you know, meeting people and talking to people and finding people. A lot you know, of people. When, you, when you're new, you're like, oh, I always, always say yes to stuff. Cause you never know what's mm-hmm. going to come of it. Like once, once you start getting more busy and then you can start saying no to stuff. And you're in another series. Oh wait, I want to talk. I know what I know what I'm going to talk about just cause you brought it up before we started recording was you auditioned for the greasy strangler. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was really interesting cause it's one of my favorites. I love the greasy strangler. So I'm just interested in about that. Like how'd it go and what was the process <laughs> like? How'd you find out about it? Uh, it's also a very weird thing. I, I've never seen it. So I need to watch it. I know it's on Amazon prime. Oh, is it? Okay. Um, but, yeah, that's great. Um, jeez. So I'm I'm friends with this actor named Christian Seaborn, mm-hmm. who is a little person, mm-hmm. and he worked with the director on it was a a frozen pizza commercial, and so he reached out to him about being the dad, uh-huh. and he had suggested me to play his son oh my god that would have been so good (laughs) (laughs) so i read the script and i was like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) i gotta say Uh, they did okay you keep going you keep going no no no. and i was just like jesus like i mean i'm i'm down to do nudity if i have to but i wasn't (laughs) sure if i wanted to for this I know. I can see it was a very risky movie for those actors in general, I thought. <laughs> I mean, it was it, that was part of the humor was the shock of the risk of it all, I think, because it's just so bizarre. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, there was a lot of nudity in it. There was a lot of there was more dicks than I was ready for. <laughs> yeah, I'm usually ready for just one. <laughs> There's usually one dick per show now. That's like the, I got to get away with all the aggressive nudity by throwing the dick in yeah. there. That's the FCC standard. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I didn't get it. And I saw the trailer and I was just like, well, maybe it wasn't a bad thing. I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it didn't get a lot of publicity, but um I love that movie. It's just so the soundtrack really makes that for me. And um, I could actually see you in a role in a similar role as that brother that, but I don't know. You're not skeezy enough. I'd have to see you play. It. <laughs> it's a very, it was a very skeezy role. I said, I will tell you my favorite Ed Galvez role. And it's gotta be really <laughs> under, I think this is a very underappreciated movie is you were Amigo and Amigo Undead. 
or the amigo, yeah. <laughs> I should say, and amigo undead. And oh my god, it's so good. And it's it's on Amazon Prime. I think it's free on Prime right now. Um, yeah. yeah, what a great movie, and it's got a great cast. It's really funny. I rarely recommend indie horror movies. I watch a ton of them, and most of them are not good at all. And I'm always looking yeah. for something that's great. And Amigo Undead was surprisingly good. It's one, not, not something you expect from when you watch a friend's movie either. You're like, oh, my friend's mm-hmm. a movie. All my other guests I've had on the show, horrible, horrible movies. But Ed Galloway, <laughs> <laughs> he's the one. He's the one. Go watch. Go watch. Next week's episode, I'll be um, trashing my former guest, Ed Galvez. You should watch that. <laughs> <laughs> Look forward to that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, Migo Undead is hilarious. I really liked it. And you, I, I think you might have some lines in the beginning. I can't quite remember, but it's just, it's yeah, all yeah. acting. It's pure Ed Galvez comic, <laughs> physical acting. Great cast, too, and it really well made. It's rare for an indie horror movie to look that good, in my opinion. It looked very good, had really great production quality, um, and the acting was really well done throughout the whole movie. And Written well is hilarious. I recommend it. Freon, anything, any stories about Amigo Undead? It, it was filmed in Santa Clarita. Mm-hmm. The director was uh, Ryan Nagata and his like brother-in-law or like some, someone loosely related to him had access to this plot of land <laughs> and it was actually pretty small, but he made it look like a bunch of different locations. So it was like October of 2013 and it was, it was fun. Cause I was hanging out with friends, but it also sucked because, like, it was two weeks, and the first week was all daytime shoots, and it was in the hundreds. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I'm I'm chubby, and I sweat <laughs> like a Coke can being audited anyway. <laughs> and so, like, I have the prosthetics, and the poor makeup girl just had to play, like, Dutch boy on me because, like... It just kind of slide off. Yeah, just like so it would build up like over my eye, like underneath the makeup, and then it would burst, and all this makeup goo would just like gush <laughs> into my eyes. Um, and then the night shoots were like in the forties, and so I'd be like there waiting with a blanket, and then they call me out, and then they spray me with cold, wet blood, and then <laughs> rip your so, t-shirt a few yeah. times. <laughs> yeah. So then I, I so then I do my scene like in 40 degree weather wet and then they put a blanket on me and then they call me out again. I go out and I do it. And, and then I come, when I come back, they put the blanket, but it's all wet, wet from, from before. before. <laughs> <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> and uh, yeah. And we, we had to wear like, like boots the whole time. Cause oh, yeah. it was like snakes and stuff oh, out God. there. So yeah, it was really good. Yeah. It's just one of those, it's a little mini adventure. <laughs> And it's just going around. Uh, well, I won't, won't give it away, but it's definitely worth watching. It's uh, I recommend it to a lot of people. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, I just went and yeah, left a review what? of it on Amazon to encourage people. To oh, watch. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it, people don't expect much from it. So that's why they they end up enjoying it more. Yeah, that's that's the whole theme of my show. A low expectation. It's my theme of my life. <laughs> yeah, that's my love life. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, I'm glad you're intentional about it, or at least aware. <laughs> How much improvising do you end up doing? Well, with uh, Amigo and Dead, like since there wasn't a lot of dialogue on my end. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, that's where my Buster Keaton <laughs> comes out. You know? I know that was good. I always joke about actors. I like actors who are good. What I call face actors <laughs> that like are really good with their face. I consider myself a good face actor. I just can't move my body. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. to do with the rest of my body. <laughs> but yeah, your your facial expressions are real good. And yeah, what is there some sort of like, uh, was there any sort of stunt that you had to do? Or any kind of your own stunts that you ended up doing for the movie? Um, just like a lot of like prat falling and stuff like that. But like in like the first 10 years of my standup, I did a lot more stuff like that. Oh really? And, you know, <laughs> we should bring that back. Stuff, which is funny because, like, like on my first album, like the bit that I closed with used to be how I would open up with stand up, but then uh, I had to move it to the end because I would get winded. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty- 
<laughs> so that was uh, kind of the end of your physical comedy career. <laughs> just kind of- <laughs> Not the end of it. It just, just got lighter. <laughs> yeah. That'd be, man, you, that's a whole new cl- class you could be teaching. Comedy workouts. The Ed Galvez Pratt Fall <laughs> comedy. <laughs> You'd be out there doing burpees, falling out of your, <laughs> I don't know. Comedio. <laughs> that's a good idea. Comedy huh? cardio. Yeah, you could do that on Zoom or something. <laughs> uh, I know people that like will take like other classes that to like help out with comedy. You know, kind of like um, Chris Farley. Mm-hmm. Like the reason why the Chippendale sketch is so good was because he took a ballet class. Oh yeah, I can see that. He definitely had ballet in there. You could tell, especially in that sketch. Uh-huh, you know, he uh-huh. was doing real moves. He wasn't just faking it. Exactly. <laughs> I took ballet. Yeah. I took tap and ballet when I was a kid. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I, I took it because there was a girl that took it, and I, I I was like sixteen, and she was sixteen or something. And I didn't. I lived in. My mom was like, on a boat for that summer, and I didn't really have much to do, so I took this class. And I ended up. And I, but I didn't realize you had to start out with like five year old girls. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so I did like a whole class of tap and a separate class of jazz with 16 year old miles with a bunch of five-year-old girls. <laughs> it's really bad. Anyway. Oh man. I, I wish there was video of that. I know I there might be somewhere. I don't know. I still have my shoes. And the funny thing was I thought I bought shoes and I didn't know I was done growing. So I bought shoes that were a size too big. <laughs> They already uh-huh. had like size 11 <laughs> feet. So I'm like trying to tap jam- dance in these size 12 tap dance shoes that don't even fit with a bunch of little girls. I still remember my dance from that. My uh, putting on the wrist so was a big dance. Did you ever meet up with that girl? Not really. <laughs> you know, I, I knew her around a little bit. She was just hung out where my mom hung out, and I never really got to know her other than we just went out to a couple of movies a couple of times, and I just kind of gave up because I wasn't into the dancing thing, and then I didn't want to go visit. My mom moved on this boat, and I just, you know, I just it was like so cramped, and I eventually just didn't. I just kind of forgot about it. Do you remember the movies you went to go see? Oh my God. Yeah. There was one movie. Oh God. So the first movie we went to see was this movie. God, I wish I could remember. It was a horror movie on a spaceship. Um, my God, what was that? Oh, Event Horizon. So we oh, go yeah. to see Event Horizon. It is this really bloody horror movie. We get, I and I, I knew about it. I knew enough about it. And we're sitting there. And the first thing she says to me goes, she goes, I hope this isn't a horror movie. <laughs> Like, oh shit! This isn't gonna go. Well. Yeah, <laughs> I've just read about how how like crazy this Locked movie was. <laughs> so we sat through Event Horizon, and I think after that, that was probably the death to any future relationship we would have had. <laughs> that was I, one another movie I saw, but I actually went by myself. But during that period, I went to see Blair Witch Project, and I went by myself. And there was only one other person in the theater, and it was the day after it came out. I knew nothing about it. And I was uh, so scared. I, was, I don't know, 16 years old. I didn't know if it was real. And even the guy who, the other guy in the theater, I sat right behind him because I was so scared. <laughs> he turned around to me. He turned and said several times, he's like, is this real? Is this real? I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> in retrospect, it's so cheesy now, but at the time it was very effective. Yeah, it's very monumental. It definitely spawned a bunch yeah. of other movies. It set a bar in terms of budgets and what could be possibly done to put things out in theaters. And oh my god, it was! I loved that movie. It's hard to watch for me now, but at the time, it was really good. But anyway, I was looking at your IMDb and I forgot about another show that I hadn't watched. And I remember you talking about it. It was called Brand New Old Love, and I looked it up, and it's free right now on IMDb um, on Amazon Prime. On Amazon Prime? Okay. It's also free on yeah. IMDb, but yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, it's uh, written and directed by Kat Reinhardt. Oh, yeah. She's, yeah, she's hilarious. She's uh, very talented. In fact, uh, this is a rom-com, but she also has a documentary about Ralphie Mae coming out. Oh, interesting. Uh, When's that come out? Um, I guess they're just solidifying the deal. Oh, wow. Where, um, was, were they friends? How, where, how'd she get inspired to do that? Um, she basically got hired to do the podcast, which Rafi May did with his wife. And then the wife noticed that 
cat had a documentary on her YouTube page that she did in college. And she's like, I didn't know you could do this. <laughs> so she's like, why don't you do a documentary about Ralphie's weight loss? So she went on tour with him. And then what started to be a weight loss documentary turned into a documentary about his substance use and the divorce. Oh, that's going to be a uh, big deal. You know, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, should, it, well, should uh, I mention it? Should we stuff. mention it here? Are people aware of it? That sounds good. I'm looking forward to uh, it. Let's just keep an eye out for what's eating Ralphie May. Oh, yeah. You know, that sounds familiar. It's like what's eating Gilbert Grape, one of early Johnny Depp movie, <laughs> one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. But uh, she did uh, Brand New Love, and it has uh, Arturo Castro from Alterna Latino mm-hmm. and Broad City and Aya Cash from the show You're the Worst. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> I actually just story, wa- I started watching it a little bit on um, IMDb because I was just uh, looking through your stuff there to see if I missed anything. And of course, I miss everything. You're in everything. You're in like a, a show a month. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I haven't heard of any of these things. <laughs> oh, you're very active. Hey. <laughs> you got two albums yeah, well, on Spotify. And even on Spotify, it's like Ed Galvez also in this other album. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> is there anything particular you want to push um upcoming you got rusty camel yeah i guess for right now just uh rusty camel wolves coming out wednesdays for the next eight weeks and uh that's on youtube uh, amigo and dead and brand new old love on amazon prime my elms are on spotify or wherever you get he's an icon of the la comedy scene here <laughs> Anyway, all right. So I'll cut this down to probably a short, shorter period of time, and I'll put the full interview up um, separately. And right. uh, yeah, well, I'll talk to you in the future. Have a good day, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Yeah. Thank you, and, and thanks for having me. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Yeah. Stay safe stay out safe. there. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Talk to you soon, Ed. Musician Ben von Wildenhaus. How do you say your name? Wildenhaus? Wildenhaus? You can pronounce it however you'd like, Miles. It's Ben von Wildenhaus. I like Wildenhaus. Wildenhaus. Very authentic. (laughs) So, So, your music, let's talk about that a little bit. I don't know if you want to talk about your new album coming out right away, but I did listen to it a couple times and it's amazing. I love it. It's it's really good. Thank you. I love it. Um, when does when and it's let me just say the name is called everything in flower and it comes out soon i'm not quite sure when though 
Yeah, so, you know, with uh, with the quarantine and all that's happening, what we'll do is just, uh, as soon as I get a release date, not a release date, as soon as I get the date that the, as soon as I get the records in hand, um, I'm just going to really? release it at that point. So, oh, yeah, um, that's a good idea. Yeah, there's not really a, you know, I don't see a reason to try to do a, like a big have a hard date launch. marketing <laughs> build up like we're not going to have a release show anytime soon I'm sure i'll do something online but that's like uh you yeah. know it doesn't need a lot of hype for like weeks to get something going uh-huh. on but, um is is this your first album full album with your full band with yeah with this band so we uh i had a band in new york it was called ben von wildenhaus with professional band mm-hmm. um and then uh, when I moved out here, um, I got back together with some people I've been playing music with for my 20s, uh, mm-hmm. really great musicians and just sort of the people I always love playing with and have always played with. Um, and uh, we started playing the songs that I was playing with the New York band, very different vibe. Uh, mm-hmm. The New York band was all session people, people that do like studio session work and do great music and uh it's very mm-hmm. tight and it kind of had like this you know sort of like very weird version of booker <laughs> d and the mgs kind of a thing yeah. with studio cats and uh, like our piano player i would like write out all the sheet music she has a <laughs> doctorate in, in piano performance uh-huh. like very serious and we could just i could write out music and they could play it out here uh it's much mm-hmm. more west coast it's very like about getting into the vibe so mm-hmm. the songs took on a different structure, um, and then we invited Amanda Bloom to sing with us. And uh, since inviting Amanda in, we've just been writing songs for them to sing, which has been uh, totally changed the direction of the of the music. And, and that's why we yeah, it's very it's still very cinematic. Though. I like it's uh, you don't like you don't I didn't expect it to be as. Um... I guess cinematic is a good word because I really because I that's how I think of your music to me. I use I listen to it a lot, <laughs> like as background music at home or when I'm reading or playing a video game. I like, and I knew this album had some more vocals in it, and I wasn't quite sure how it would match up with my uh, thinking of your the Von Wildenhaus. But it was very yeah. it's very good. It's very um, it's it's epic at some points. I mean, almost right from the start, <laughs> there's some pretty good. Uh, I don't know. It's very emotionally driven music. I'm not quite sure. We, earlier you said um, about moving into the West Coast and your band, like bringing the music out here was more about finding the vibe. And I like, that's the most immediate thing I got from when I first saw your, I can't remember the name of the bar, the place where you'd, you'd grilled your own meat in the back. Oh, the Zodiac Supper Club? Oh, yeah, the Zodiac Supper Club. That place was cool. I don't think it's open anymore. Is no, it? It, well, I'm just not open right now, but yeah, they they moved <laughs> locations. Yeah, they're they're still there. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw you there, and some uh, friends from the art museum were there too. And yeah, it was very. It was like, I mean, it really was. It was all about the vibe, you know. And I think I it kind of hit me then that just being in that environment was like a really cool little cocktail bar with a little things or I don't know it was just a great vibe and I think I think even there you were sitting up on a like a like construction horses on a I don't know, like yeah. a plank <laughs> yeah I think it, that was a that was a one of the very few Christmas shows I've done oh my god that maybe that's why I like your Christmas music so much because I, I love that your Christmas album is probably the most played Christmas album in my house from Bandcamp. you can check out Ben's oh go ahead I was just going to say, check out Ben's uh, stuff on Bandcamp. It's Bandcamp. Uh, it's got, I think you have a few albums up there now, right? Yeah, I have the other, uh, I have two Ben Von Wildenhaus full-length albums. I've got a couple cassettes that are not really available, except for on mm-hmm. cassette. Uh, and then the Christmas, <laughs> it's t- it, technically it's Christmas and Hanukkah and Yule. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe that, <laughs> one, that one EP might be all christmas music christian music i don't know i try i try to make it as much about hanukkah pagan as possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely try to make it as pagan as possible yeah. and, and I, love it. I, love, 
And I'll admit, a completely fake version of paganism. When you're, <laughs> there's a ton of pagan Yule music, and it's like really uh-huh. bad, sort of like yeah, not fun to listen to. Well, I mean, it, like it, I, I was hoping I would find some, you know, like years ago, thought I could find some really cool like Gregorian chant kind of a thing, but it's just really bad, <laughs> like um, sort of like fairy like music and Wicker Man. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, very, very much so like your local pagan, like wicked uh-huh. knickknack shop, singer songwriter. It's pretty yeah. bad. But uh, so anyway, I do, I do a fake pagan, make it as, you know, as satanic as possible. What do you consider your genre? Like, do you have a genre? Like it's, I like, it's kind of surf rocky at, the, at some time in a way. And it's, but it's like almost minimalist surf for surf rock. To me, that's how I think of it because I listen to a lot of surf rock. And so like when I hear it, I, it, that's what I hear, but I'm not quite sure what you, yeah, what, I know. You're, what you're seeing in it. I mean, I, I totally grew up on like surf rock in the late eighties, early nineties, um, mm-hmm. like shadowy men on a shadowy planet, man or astro <laughs> and all that stuff. So that was like huge to me when I was like, you know, 13, uh-huh. 14, 15, loved that. I just met, I just did a class with Kevin McDonald from Kids in the Hall. Oh, nice. And that's one of his favorite. Obviously, it was the theme, they did the theme song to Kids in the Hall, Shadowy Men nice. from a Shadowy Planet. And that's one of his favorite bands. We talked about that a little bit. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love that song. And I loved that. <laughs> and I was like, those, yeah. that's, that sound of that band and that show are so married together. I like, know. Yeah, I know. Like I really young kid watching that is incredible it almost ruins the song for me because i hear every time i hear it I mean, it comes on a playlist once in a while it's immediately my brain just sees the intro to, to the kids in the hall well I, you know it's like i mean it's a good thing for the song too because they just were this like mysterious like super cool canadians that yeah. were like so much cooler <laughs> than anybody like doing comedy in america yeah. like, oh who are those guys <laughs> Yeah, it really came together well. Do you do? I saw that you do a few scores. Uh, let me see. I had that you're getting into yeah. scores. Have you done some scores? And you were on the weirdest connection. Before I get into it, I saw that you performed on the soundtrack for a movie called The Beaver Trilogy Four. Yeah. Which I, I, the Beaver Trilogy was like one of the only DVDs I own. Oh yeah, <laughs> so okay. good. It's like. And I, so I'm gonna, I haven't seen four. I know, I know of it, but I, you know, I, the first, I have that original documentary by his name is Trent Harris. He's a, I think he worked in TV news at the time when he made it. And then he oh, yeah. became a documentarian after by making this movie called the Beaver Trilogy, which I'm, I don't get into it. I guess it's a long explanation. I'll, oh, I've, 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 yeah. I've, everybody should see it. At least the first or the it's the second yeah. one, which is the Crispin Glover one. Yeah, the early one. The early one, yeah, it's got Crispin Glover and Sean Penn. So the, I guess I'll get into it. It's a documentary about this guy. I think he was a TV cameraman. He was just hanging out in a parking lot outside of where he worked. And this kid walked up to him and just starts talking. He sees he's holding the camera and the cameraman just starts recording. And so it's a real guy who's saying this thing and then he and he's got this really weird footage of this guy and then he, i think he wants to do a talent show or something this guy he really goes off and on the camera having a good time and then trent harris follows him around but it's kind of a short and then he, so he remakes it like several times with different actors and it has crispin glover before he was famous mm-hmm. um, the dad in back to the future sean penn before he was big he did then they just remake the the scene, that whole scene, it's just so yeah. bizarre. I, I love it. And I, I think the one you you performed in was for it had like Bill Hader in it. I haven't seen it yet. I actually forgot it was out there. And that was uh, that was a random one. I, I have um, I actually didn't know that those songs were used until uh, a screening of that movie, and some friends texted me from the theater and we're like oh my god they're like oh my god we're at the theater like how come you're not here you're in the movie you didn't even tell us. oh my god i can't believe they didn't invite you i've been i go to movie screenings all the time up here and it's like no one's even no one goes to them it's so popular out here no, it's not even like a big they deal even, it's usually 
Oh, for that one, I mean, like, I'd like to take credit for, like, you know, being somebody that helped score that movie because I'd like, you know, to have as many IMDb hits for, like, good scores. Yeah. But, like, yeah, they never even they never even contacted me about that. They just used the music. But is it something you want to get into more? Because it seems like it's a good fit. Absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely. I've, I've got I've done several shorts with, um, you know, various people. Um, and then I've done two full length documentaries. Um, one is called the, St- uh, here to be heard the story of the slits, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, British punk rock band, the slits from the seventies. Um, and then the other is, uh, not out yet. Um, it's called rebel dread. It's the story of Don Lutz, who is a, um, iconoclast DJ and dude that hung out with the clash, um, in, uh, in London. Yeah brought reggae oh, that sounds great. yeah so that's good and i'm you know i'm I've, I've done some shorts i could i could share them with you but always always sort of pushing down that path um, oh I, yeah that's nice yeah, super enjoy doing that and it's you know it's i love dropping into a scene and just sort of taking all that stuff i do with my yeah, own music but trying to apply it to you know to what a, a director wants in a scene yeah do you ever sit down and kind of like play along with like a scene that you like in a movie. <laughs> I feel like that'd be a good um, experiment. Sure. Just yeah. Like practice, like rescoring movies. Absolutely. I did something last year uh, with a couple group of musicians. It was great. A, uh, this trippy dude that owns an aquarium in Seattle hired a bunch of musicians to get together. And we, um, somebody first filmed like hours of, fish tanks and then like <laughs> we projected it in a rec- we like run it out of recording studio he ran it out of recording studio and he projected it and then uh we put together th- three musicians i i knew them both it was me and two other musicians i knew them both but we had never once rehearsed and we mm-hmm. just we like mic'd everything up and i had all these different instruments everybody had all these instruments and we just did a uh i think we did like a 10 minute improvisation to mm-hmm. one and then we did a 15 minute and then we did like a full hour. Like we did yeah. an hour long video to these fish. To fish. Around. <laughs> like, it kept going into like really dark places. <laughs> it's like so stony, like so unbelievably stony, but it was incredible. And then it was like a good live stream. Yeah. And, and it was a cool, you know, it was a cool idea because then he was able to use that as like, Here's this just this weird live performance of these Seattle musicians, but then also mm-hmm. like we you know gave him all the rights to use that shit and like so any moments he wanted to use that in his like <laughs> podcast his fish podcast or like his radio <laughs> advertisements or whatever <laughs> he's got like you know hours of all this music. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, let's see. I don't even look through my notes here. What else I got? Oh, your music videos. I love your music videos. That's how I first found out about you. I had my friend from the uh, museum, Joe Rome, was at my house and we were hanging out and we looked up a video. He knew you were a musician already. And I've seen a couple of your videos. Um, I think the last one you were like in a space outfit. Oh, yeah. That was great. That one was, (laughs) um, we made it at a... uh, it was a exhibition of moon related artwork. Uh, <laughs> You're like climbing Street. up in the rafters. Yeah, and so I got I got hired. It was uh I got hired to play or be part of the, the exhibition. My so it was at the King Street station in downtown Seattle. And all of the uh, gallery was beneath, and we went up into the rafters, John and I, John Sampson, the saxophone player, and I mm-hmm. went up into the rafters and played a set of music and i was wearing the guy who put on the exhibition was uh owned like this like russian space suit so mm-hmm. I, I put that on and then anyway we made up <laughs> awesome, like they like made a great video where the whole time you, it looks like i'm climbing into a spaceship but then it's, <laughs> it becomes I think very there's even a moment when you can see like the art people below you oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. like a great moment where like it's all in slow motion uh, but <laughs> all of the other videos I, I i should say i like i made a ton of videos uh in new york with a group uh video artist group called house plants 
Um, oh yeah. You know what? I looked you up on YouTube and I did see those were just different videos. They were a listed under house plants, like their, their own YouTube channel. Yeah. Yeah. And so I worked with them, uh, quite a bit. We made, I think four videos, including like a 30 minute video uh-huh. that we did, which was, uh, which I actually toured on back in 2012. Um, oh, awesome. so I toured with a projection and, and played the same set to the, you know, trying to time it with the projection every night. Uh-huh. It, was, it was, it was great. But yeah, oh, yeah I, I, I would love to see that. I worked, um, were, I worked with them for a lot, a lot until I moved out here. Uh-huh. Do you, I was I'm wondering if you have a, like your venues are always real unique. Like, do you seek out unique venues or do you, I mean, how do you, how do you even promote? I go to these, I go to like a, I remember one that was like at a retired mechanic's garage. <laughs> Literally, yeah, I was in the bathroom yeah. even. I remember going to the bathroom and there was like a portrait of like a wrench or something. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. And uh, I mean, it was crowded. People were like sitting in the garage. People brought their own chairs and beers or were hanging out outside of the garage. Yeah, um, it was job. really cool. Where, like, do you... Well, how do you find these venues? So are the venues like an important part of your performance? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I, I feel like the, my favorite shows have been at sort of, you know, where everything comes together at a interesting location. Um, I did yeah. a great one in, in Seattle. That was, was totally memorable with, uh, it was me and deep sea diver playing at a at a barber shop on aurora ave (laughs) (laughs) like at the end of the show there's like there's a performance artist as well who put the show on and uh, at the end of the show there ended up being like just like blunts everywhere and then like (laughs) became like a rap battle right in the middle of the show (laughs) it was was incredible yeah that sounds like a lot of the open mics i go to (laughs) yeah yeah right right but yeah, I think as far as like you know, it being like site specific, you know, I, I for that show, I had a huge stack of pallets I was playing on, and I really wanted mm-hmm. to appear as if I just sort of walked in off of Aurora Avenue. So <laughs> I, I had like a Bluetooth in my like in my ear, and I just mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the middle of songs, I would stop playing and just start like yelling at somebody through the. Bluetooth. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! Don't call me right now. <laughs> you know, <that's- laughs> oh man, I wish I had seen it. Did anybody record it? Uh, there's some photos from it, but yeah. Oh, man, that's good. Anyway, so yeah, that's, that's part. Love- it's all you have to be there anyway. Like a lot of yeah. your shows, like it is. It's about a vibe, and you can't capture that on video. I mean, unless you're home, home. I like, for instance, I have a vibe right now going for. I have a. I have this big blanket pulled up around my area. So I'm kind of in a little tent for my fun house recording. <laughs> I could picture that perfectly, Miles. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a, yeah, it's a, and it's orange colored. It's my sheet oh, right. from my bed is bright orange. <laughs> I'll send you a picture. Maybe I'll make it the cover for this podcast. Fantastic. <laughs> I don't want to give too much away about the. I have this whole illusion of what the of what the fun house looks like in here. <laughs> it doesn't no, look it, like a one bedroom apartment in Los Angeles. Now, in my mind, having listened to the other episode, that's that's what I imagined actually. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Where you're like, I think you gave it away when you're like, it's really late at night right now, and I have to <laughs> very quietly, or else my neighbors will become furious. <laughs> I know, no, and I record my computers right next to a window, and I can hear everything they say. So I'm here, like screaming like a carnival barker and doing this cowboy character the other night. <laughs> when I'm in the moment, I don't, I don't even think about it. But then, as soon as I'm done, I'm like filled with embarrassment. <laughs> it's probably worse things neighbors have heard. Uh, yeah, I've heard worse things from them. Right, there you <laughs> I won't go. get into it because they can probably hear me right this moment. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I yeah, I really like the vibe of your music and the and the cinematicness of it. And the live, I like live. It's almost you know you don't have to see your show live, but if you can see Ben live, you have to. He's always up in Seattle area, Tacoma. Um, you do travel to New York sometimes and perform still, I think. <clears throat> well, we're planning on coming to L.A. Uh, in July, but 
every everything is on pause. Yeah. So. Oh man, that would have been awesome. Yeah, I'll have to let you know. Do you know where you were thinking of performing? We were talking to Zebulon and a couple other places, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, if you need any practice space in LA, I know a couple, but I'm not necessarily like open mic kind of practice spaces, Um, (laughs) like a dive dive bars that have stages. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, that's why I like to, I just actually interviewed before you, I interviewed this comedian, his name's Ed Galvez and he runs an open mic, uh, this bar in skid row where i got where i started doing open mics and i remember going there and i just was like what the hell am i doing it's so scary down here you know like it literally is in skid row the audience was homeless people and a few other comics that were willing to go there but ed was like is like this really great guy and so i had a lot of trust in him and it just i really loved it, it really got me into comedy kind of got to do like i don't know probably it's similar with music you know i think we just kind of you got to figure out, find your persona, connect with an audience sure. and kind of grow. You can't just jump into something. Hey man, I watch, I watch TV shows. I know what the comedian's life is all about. <laughs> you know, I mean, I feel like it's been, it's, it's well demonstrated now in show after yeah. show. What is it like to be a comedian? Just struggling. <laughs> like, what is it like in LA? What is it like? Yeah, in we, New should, York? We, we should make a TV show. About <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just like the real deal stuff. <laughs> I know it's, but it's even more depressing than that. <laughs> but yeah, you know, like, not like, the Holmes, like the Pete Holmes show, it's like, oh, it's so hard, and then it's like he just essentially goes straight to the top, right? So it's I like, know, it's, like it wasn't I really. I think they wanted to show how much the struggle was, but it's like it uh-huh. seems like within a month he was like doing really well. Yeah, I haven't watched that show, The Marvelous Miss Mavel, Maisel. Um, but oh, I hear yeah. that's the, that's how it goes. That that she's like, some a lot of comics are like, I like it. I just wish she failed sometimes. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> nobody wants to watch a show about somebody failing all the time, which is like the show of our lives. Yeah, but that is yeah, that's how it works. You only record and put it out when it doesn't fail. It's so rare. Right, right. I know. I've been failing at comedy for a while. It's great. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I got into it out here in LA. I didn't had no intention. I feel like when I move around, I kind of get into the vibe of a community. And when I was in LA, I just felt like it just seemed right to try it. I always, you know, you think about comedy, or I always thought about comedy or whatever you're into, but I just never felt, you know, really. And it was a realistic I thinking that if you're not in LA or you're not in New York City, it's pretty difficult to get into comedy. Yeah. Sure, you can practice and get some things done but you can't really get out there yeah it's a weird yeah it's a small it's a very small scene outside of either of those cities (laughs) yeah and in tacoma you do a really good job like and comic comedians do similar things here like you do where you just make your own thing work you know um and you're you're out there like getting into venues bringing your own fans you know it's and that's kind of what com- comedy is like at this at rate. Well, it's like nothing right now. Nobody's doing anything. How are you dealing with it? Not being able to go out. Me? Oh, uh, uh, all right. You know, I've got a, I've got a family, so we're all locked up together. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's I, I, I'm really thankful for it because it's, uh, you know, I know so many people are so so bored and they're like, you know, like I haven't, haven't like touched a human in so long and yeah so I, I feel i feel uh you know fortunate on on that front to some extent where you know some of us are working and uh or supposedly working and and you know how do you do that when they're you know it's like and of course continue to keep your kid uh active Entertained yeah, and educated, right? And like, what do kids love? Just like never moving their bodies. That's that works super <laughs> well. You know, it's like flipping out constantly. Yeah, you got to get a stairmaster. Yeah. Tell your kids <laughs> they can only watch TV if they're on the stairmaster. We really wear them out. Within an hour, my kid was uh, with like about an hour ago. My kid was like laying down outside crying that it wasn't fair like that the coronavirus this <laughs> like she did nothing wrong and this is happening to her like tears you know? that's like that's pretty 
that's a happening to like you know everywhere i mean grown adults are like probably crying about that i'm sure that's how we all feel inside really sort of unadulterated like kid emotion about it it's just like oh my god i know that is do do you have to do any homeschooling well i mean yeah i I don't know how that even works. I don't know. I haven't. I don't have a kid. I don't even necessarily want to get into. I don't know how. It, I mean, I'm sure. It's- I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like you know, for the most part, I feel like if you can teach your kids to like entertain themselves and like bake and just fucking do anything, it's like that is a pretty damn good <laughs> skill to have, you know. So we're just not. We're that not doing like you know, ten hours of screens, you know, just trying. Avoid that, and like I feel like we're winning, you know. You know, that's true. A lot of people are just binging TV right now. I, I've been avoiding it somehow too, but I do watch uh, like a horror movie oh, right. at night or so, <laughs> or something. But all right, yeah. Well, I've got about yeah. thirty minutes here. Uh, I think that's probably good. But if you, I'm sure maybe we can talk again in the future. If you got no, more albums, you got something you want to maybe we premiere some music on here. Hey, good talking to you, Miles. Call me up on chat or face me up on. Chat me up on Facebook already. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'll face you up on the chatterbook. See ya. Great. Cool, dude. See you, man. Welcome to the recap portion of the show. I want to mention up top here that the direct links to anything mentioned in the show can be found at milesfunhouse.com. I edit down my interviews to keep the show under an hour. So if you'd like to listen to the unedited interviews and other bonus content like outtakes, you can become an official Funhouse member for less than $2 per month, but more than $1 per month. Comes out to about $1.67 per month. But I've made it easy for you. It's an even $20 per year. Check out Ed Galvez's film, Amigo Undead, and his new YouTube mockumentary series, Rusty Camel. You can find Ben Von Wildenhaus on Bandcamp, Spotify, and YouTube. And don't forget to find yourself by meditating regularly. Thanks for stopping by. We'll see you next week at episode three.